Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. The path of contemplation, and and like I said, contemplation, self-reflection, being introspective. I love this psalm and because I think I shared this when we had our five-on-five time a couple weeks ago. David is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. There is something so powerful about David. And here's the deal. As I know that the general prayer should be, God, make me like Jesus. I, for me, Jesus seems like a pretty high standard, right? Like, I'm like, oh my like, God, make me like Jesus. But if, if I fall in line with David, I'm cool with that. Like, because I, David, his life is such an example to us all. There's, some, there's so many powerful stories in the life of of David. I love this psalm though because when we think about David, there's a lot of key stories and things that we think about. See, David went through many different things, both both trials and triumphs. I mean, there was a lot of things that David went through. But I would submit to you this that when it comes to David, one of the most courageous things that David ever did, it wasn't face a giant. It wasn't face bears and lions even though he did that as well. It wasn't to face a military or anything like that. I would submit to you this, that the greatest example of David's courage was his willingness to face himself. I truly believe that. I believe that one of the greatest examples of David's courage was his ability and his willingness to face himself, to look inside himself and say, God, search me. Search me. God, tell me what it is that maybe I don't see. Search me, oh God. And and we read this verse, and if you were to read the Bible out of context, you would almost read this and be like, David, come on. God knows everything about you. Why are you telling God to search you? Like, that doesn't make sense to us. That doesn't compute to us because we're like, wait, no, God should know everything about me. But if you read the verses leading into it, David is well aware that God already knows everything he needs to know and everything that is David. See, when you read in Psalm 139, the first few verses, it said, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart, soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins, and you've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. In other words, what David is saying is that David knows that God knows. David knows God knows everything about him. He knows the the intricacy and the amazing power of God, but he still says in verse 23 and 24, search me. Well, why would he say that? If if God already knows, why would would he invite God to search him? I would I would, I would say that when David is inviting God to search him, to know him, to test him, it's not for God to find out something that God didn't know. Like, God's like, whoa, I, wow, that's, that one shocked me. Like, no, his invitation for God to search him was not that. It was uh, an examination. The examination was for God to help David discover something in him that he may not know. It wasn't for God to discover something. It was for David to say, God, show me, point things out to me that I may not understand. I may not already know about myself. And that's what, that's what God does. When, when he searches your heart, he can help lead you to the, 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 the path of contemplation. 
And on this path of contemplation, there's a lot of, a lot of levels here. But we have David who's setting the example for us. And even though he knows that God knows everything about him, he still invites God to search him. Why? Because David understands and has the wisdom to realize he doesn't have it all going on. There are going to be things that he may be blind to. There might be blind spots that God can point out in his life. But on this path to contemplation, there's a lot of like side trails that we can get off on. And as a society, I feel that, um, and those are going to be what we talk about today, but as a society, I feel like many of us can fall into these things. But, but our path to, to contemplation, it's, there's levels. So if you're at one level, that's, that's okay for now. But how do we get you to the next? And the first path, or this trail rather, that we're going to be talking about in the path of contemplation is, is the road or the trail of self-deception. Self-deception. See, the implication is that David has already searched himself, right? Like, when he is saying, God, search me, it's implied that David's already searched himself, and he feels like he's in a pretty good spot, right? Like, if you're going to ask someone to search you or to, to examine you, usually you would have done the, the work yourself first and feel like you're at least positioned in a way for someone to examine you or to, to call out your blind spot. So the implication is there that he's already done this, and he feels that there's not anything in him that would be displeasing to God. However, he demonstrates that great wisdom that we talk about when he invites God to search him because the implication is that he wants to be viewed in light of God and not in light of himself. David wants to be viewed in light of God and not in light of himself. My question is how many of us, we all can struggle with this, I'm sure, there are times in our life that we will view ourselves in the light of ourselves versus the light of God. We'll view ourselves in the light of the world versus the light of God. We'll view ourselves in the light of the enemy versus the light of God. And that's how we get to a place of self-deception. That's how we get to that place. Um, because David here, he's wise enough to know that self-deception, it's extremely easy to be lured into. Like, that's the crazy thing about being deceived is you don't know you're being deceived, right? Like, deception. You don't know you're being deceived at the time, but it's something that's so, so strong in this world, especially in a world that's really consumed by sin. I, I, this is a great quote. It's, I don't know, this is, I'll just put unknown under it, but one of the attributes of sin is to hide man from himself, to conceal his deformity, to prevent him from forming an accurate conception of his true identity. I think one of the strongest things that the enemy could do to keep you down is to not only have you not see who God is, but not know who you are. And they give you a false identity in yourself. Because if you don't truly know who you are, how are you supposed to know who God is? Because God created you. And so it's, they kind of work in tandem. But the enemy will do whatever he can in order to, to demolish that and not allow you to have an accurate view of who you truly are in God. And that's where self-deception can come in. It's easy to be blind. Proverbs 14, 12, it says this, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end leads to death. How many paths are in this world right now that seem right? You know, like I feel like we're sold a lot of different paths in our, in our culture, in our society, that they may seem right to the world, but in the end, they don't end up where we want them to go because they're not the true path of God, but we deceive ourselves or we have this, 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 uh, Status of self-deception, rather, where 
whether it be situations that we've gone through or the enemy in our lives or what we've told ourselves, instead of understanding what truth really is, we become makers of our own truth. And that's where self-deception gets really tricky. Is Because that's, I mean, that, that's when it occurs. Is Self-deception occurs when you've convinced yourself, either consciously or subconsciously, of a truth and you lose grip on reality. You, you lose grip uh, uh, on reality, and it's because we, we, like I said, we become makers of our own truth, and we convince ourselves that, that truth is greater than logic, and it doesn't need to be backed by X, Y, or Z, thing. and so we create these own truths that we live in, and so in turn, we can be deceived in the path that God wants us to go, because we don't understand what real truth is, but we only have our form of it, and that's where things can be dangerous, and we start to have these conversations in our head. Maybe that's just me. Whatever, but you talk to yourself, right? Like you almost have this narrative in your head, and you tell yourself stories, and you make yourself, you justify what you're feeling and what you're believing, and 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 because that's how we are. We're we, God has designed us to 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 love stories and tell stories, and so we create our own story, our own truth. But in the end, though it may seem right at the time, like that verse in Proverbs fourteen twelve said, in the end, it actually will lead to death because it's not the real truth that God has called us to. I love this quote by Derek Landy. This is so strong. The lies we tell other people are nothing compared to the lies that we tell ourselves. Oof. You should write that one down for sure. (laughs) The lies that we tell other people are nothing compared to the lies that we tell ourselves. And it can be perpetual. But how do we get out of it? How do, we, how do we take a step out of that, that, that side road of self-deception? And, and it starts with a, a major question that, that David asks. It's asking the question, is there anything in me that if it changed, my life would be better? Like, if you want to make it really simple, is there anything in me that if it changed, my life would be better? Well, where do we get that answer, though? Where do we go in order to seek out that answer? And, and though, yes, God is the place that we want to get our source of truth, I believe that there are steps to that as well. There are many places that we can go and God can reveal to us what true truth is, not our version of it. And the first thing you got to do, if you're going to ask anybody, first ask yourself, is there anything in my life that if it changed, my life would be better? I know so many people in this world who know that there is something in their life that needs to be changed. They, they know it. They, they're like, man, I, I, I'll tell you exactly. If I change this, my life would be better. But they have yet to have the courage to actually change it. You need to make sure you're asking yourself that question effectively. And that's done in solitude. That's done in silence. I think that our world has gotten so busy where we don't just shut off all the other noise and all the other voices and ask ourselves, what what is it that I already know needs to be changed in me? I'm just going to read a a reference that I would recommend you write down to to back these up. It's 2 Corinthians 13.5. It talks about testing yourself and examining yourself. We're a lot stronger than the enemy wants us to believe that we are. Your, your mind is a lot stronger than the enemy wants you to believe that it is. Ask yourself in that solitude, is there anything in my, in my life that if it changed, my life would get better? You've got to ask the Holy Spirit. The world has sold it as your conscience. Okay. Your conscience is this thing that the world loves to sell you when in all reality, God has given us the Holy Spirit. The major difference is that the Holy Spirit, he's our teacher 
He gives us power. He speaks to us. Uh, he speaks what God is speaking to us. Like that's, that's the channel that, he get, that God gets to us. And so in your, in your, in your quiet time, in your silence, in, in, your, in your solitude, ask not only yourself, but ask the Holy Spirit. Reveal to me something, Holy Spirit, that I might not see in myself. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. There's a lot of verses there, so it's, I'm not going to read all those right now, but write that one down. You gotta ask the Holy Spirit. You gotta ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit, ask the scriptures. And you're like, Nate, that's the weirdest thing ever. Like, what do you want? Like, you know, it's, but I promise you this in Hebrews 14, I'm sorry, in Hebrews 4:12, it says this: for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The word of God, it, it's not just it's not just this ancient book, but it is alive. And sometimes I think what we do is we go to scripture and we say, God, this is what I'm facing. Let me find scripture based off of that. And we take it out of contents and, you know, we cherry pick scripture to be like, you know, whatever. When in all reality, sometimes I believe that God just wants you to open the word of God and just say, God, what do you want to show me today through your word? Let your word that's alive and active actually change my life. It's not just about us reading scripture. It's about letting the scripture read us. And you're like, Nate, where do I start? There have been days, I'm, I kid you not, and you're like, wow, this is a cop-out. This is really what I do. I'll take my Bible, and yes, I actually have a paper Bible. It's fantastic. And I will flip, I'm, I, I'm not even lying to you. I will flip the pages, and I will like karate chop in and be like, all right, God, this is what I'm reading. Because I might not know. I might not know where to go, but let me, let me tell you this. God is strong enough to speak to you through that, that word that's alive and active. You don't need to have all the answers. Just go to his word and, and allow it to speak to your life. You've got to ask yourself, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit, you've got to ask the scripture. And the last one is ask trusted relationships. It's so important that you have accountability in your life. And a lot of times you talk about accountability being peer level, which that's important. However, in our current culture, what we do is for peer level accountability, we go to our friends that believe the way that we believe and think the way we think versus people who might challenge us. And so we're like, oh, oh, this person will have empathy for me. You know, I'll go to them. And if they don't, then you go to somebody else. It's like a kid who goes to mom, and mom says no, so they go to dad. Like, you, you need to have people in your life that are aligned with the word of God, not necessarily aligned with how you feel. That's so important when it comes to your peer level accountability. But also, there's three legs to this. I think peer level is important. You gotta also know how to go up, know how to have leadership that can hold you accountable. Because there's gonna be leaders in your life that see blind spots that your peers don't. And you wanna take another step further? People that you might oversee, and I don't mean like oversee, that sounds weird, but people that may not be a peer level, they might be under you or under your leadership, invite them in the conversation. It's wild. I worked in student ministry for a long time, and this is, this, when I started to do this, first off, students are really honest, and you're like, okay, ow, like that really hurt, but they will tell you things because they, they, they were not peer level with me, they were not leading me, I was leading them, but they still had a different perspective, and it's not all bad, they can tell you amazing things about your life, that you're like, I never saw that in me, but God showed them that about you and wanted to speak that to you through them. I think about Tyler Hanley. Tyler Hanley is someone that I've been kicking around with for a long time. He was in sixth grade in our student ministry, and I, that's how long I've known the dude. And I, when I opened up that door for Tyler, he had me. He's like, oh, let me just tell you. <laughs> but it, was, it made me grow so much as a person. you got to make sure that you have those levels of accountability. And what ends up happening is when you have those, it starts to lead us down a new path, and we start to go the next level up. When we start to have open and transparent conversation, we go from the, the trail or like the side road of self-deception 
to the next spot, which would be the, the road of self-discovery. We go from self-deception to self-discovery. And this is a good spot. Self-discovery is a pretty good spot as long as you're willing to be active on it. See, I think what we've done a lot as a, as a culture is we've also used the word self-awareness. I love the word and I love the intention behind it. However, my fear for us as, as people of God is that we would use self-awareness as a cop-out. I'm aware of my anger issues. Great. What are you doing about them? I'm aware of my anxiety. Awesome. How are you inviting God in the situation? I'm aware of my addictions. I'm aware. And it's one thing to be aware. It's a whole new thing to actually take action on the things that you are aware of. So self-discovery is a great place to be, but it is not where, it's not the end-all and be-all where God wants you to be. It's just a step to get there. But it's important that we do take that step. And so how do we do this? How do we discover things about ourselves? Well, let me just tell you how David did it. David, what he said to God and what he, what he was saying in the situation, it's kind of like, remove the barriers, remove the ropes, take the wheel. In, in Psalm 139, it says this, point out anything in me that offends you, anything, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. In other words, David is saying nothing is off limits. Anything. It doesn't matter. God, I want to give you Everything. And whatever you see in me, just let me know and, and lead me. I think a lot of times we, we read the phrase lead me as like a suggestion. And we listen to God kind of like how we listen to like our maps app. And it's like, turn left. You're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's, like, it's like, okay, this is the path, but we feel like it's just a strong suggestion. When in all reality, the, the, a better translation for this is um, you are in control. When, when David is saying lead me, it's actually like lordship. Like, no, you are in control, God. Wherever you go, I'll go. Whatever you say, I'll do. I just want you to take control because I know controlling myself may not lead me the right way. Though the path might seem right right now, it could in the end lead to death. So God, lead me the way that you need to take me. And again, it's not a suggestion. It's letting God actually take control of your life. And you gotta dedicate yourself to that change. Because I think what we, a lot of us do, and, and, and again, this is, for many people in here, is we, we treat our lives, we have an illustration here, similar to kind of this box where we get to this place from self-denial to self-discovery and we start adding God into a couple things. But what ends up happening is we kind of give God the stiff arm for some other stuff in our life. We say, God, you can take everything, but I don't know, I want to handle this one. God, you can take all my issues except for my finances. I, I, I want to handle that. You can take everything in me except for my family. I want to lead that. But what David is saying here is no, remove, remove the ropes. Get, don't, don't make any limit for God. And, and in this illustration, I think it's, it's good to point out that um, when we talk about sin and having issues with things in our life or, or idols in our life, I don't, I don't personally believe that all of us are facing like hundreds of different sins. And may, maybe you are. We're here for you too. We'll pray for you. We need that. But my speculation would be that many of us, we kind of face the same two or three things over and over again. And we might get away from them for a little while, but then they creep back. We might get them under control for a little while, we creep back. And it's because we've put this barrier in between us, our issues, and, and the things that those two or three things that we keep facing in God. And so we say, God, I'll give you any, everything, but my identity, I can't find that in you. I, I, I need to control that. God, I'll give you everything, but my anxiety, I don't know if you can handle that. Really? 
if God is big enough to love you through it all, he's big enough to lead you through it all as well. He can lead you out of that place. And it is when we decide, God, you know what? I'm going to remove the rope. I'm going to give you full access to my life. He actually does what only he can do in those situations. He takes them and he makes them new. And he helps you find full freedom in him. What are some areas in your life that you feel like you've put up this, this rope on? God, you can have everything but this. God wants to take control of that. He wants you to be aware. He wants to help you find freedom in all of that. That's what David is saying when, when he says, God, search me. I'm removing the ropes, God. Do whatever it is that you can do that I can't. Is there an area right now in your life that you have roped off to God? My encouragement is especially in this season of 21 days of prayer that you would remove the rope and watch how God can change that in your life. And it might not always be easy. Let me just tell you, it's not easy to take that step. But man, it is so, so worth it. It is so worth it. And so when we get to that place in our life, when we, we've, we've gone through uh, self-deception, but maybe now you're at a place of self-discovery or self-awareness, um, that's when we're actually positioned to be where God wants us to be in our life. And the last self road that we want to go down in the place that God really wants us to be is not self-deception, not just self-discovery, but he wants, us, wants to get us to a place where we're actually in self-denial. Self-denial. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. Let me read this for you. <laughs> you're like, what? Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their souls? That's what it means to have self-denial. Not like you actually deny, like, oh, I'm crazy. When you actually deny your personal feelings, your personal beliefs, your personal truth, and you align it with God's truth, and you put other people before yourself. And what's beautiful about self-denial is that it actually goes hand in hand with discipleship. You can't have one without the other. And as we talked about in the beginning of service, the prayer is, okay, make me like Jesus, but if I'm like David, I'm cool with that. Like, really, how we get to that place and how we get to a place where God is actually molding and morphing and mending our lives is when we actually deny ourselves and maybe our comforts, maybe our own excuses and the things that we have, and we say, God, just take them. Because I know that in my control, I cannot do a, a, a hundredth of what you could do. When we're like David, we open up our lives. We say, God, there's no place that, that's off limits for you. He does things that only he can do. And you see this in verse 23. This is David. It's his willingness to change uh, in view of God pointing out stuff. He says this. He says, I'll submit to whatever you, your will is for me, I'll, whatever you want me to do. Meaning, though I might have a place of comfort, I'm going to deny myself and submit my life to you. Submission and self-denial. That's a really hard concept in today's culture. But let me just tell you, it is what truly separates those who follow Christ and those who just call themselves Christians. And they play church. 
When we actually deny ourselves and allow God to disciple us, it does amazing, amazing things. In verse 24, again, lead me on a new path shows his dedication to change. I'm going to read that verse one more time, Matthew 16, 24, 26. I'm going to read the message this time. I think this is beautiful. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. He's like, we're about to get some work done. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Wow. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? For some reason, as a society, as a community, we're trying to make trades with God. We're trying to make trades with the world for our soul. But if we were just to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him, yeah, it might hurt for a little while. It might sting. It might be uncomfortable. It might not be popular. But that was the way that maybe seemed like it was going to bring life, but actually led to death. When we pick those things up and we actually deny ourselves and follow Jesus, he leads us to true life, to true contemplation, to true change, to true awareness, not just it's like, I'm aware, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Things that we actually can take action on as individuals and as a community. This is a, a, a silly story as we wrap up, but I was, um, I was in a senior year um, in high school and I was decided, I was enrolled in college already. I was like going to like minor in Spanish and major in communications. Que pasó? I'm saying like, uh, But I had, um, I had a friend reach out to me and, and um, there was this program that uh, it was called 24-7. It was like this really intense, hardcore program. And literally it was all about self-denial. About, like, we would like wake up every morning for five o'clock prayer and we would do all these crazy things. And like we did these triathlons and all like, all, like it was self-denial on all fronts in your prayer life, in your personal life, in, in your physical, everything. And me being a senior in high school, I'm like, no, there's no way I'm going to do that. Like, that, is, that sounds like the worst thing ever. Um, and I remember getting in my car one night, and I had this CD in my car that traditionally was, um, and you're going to judge me, so why am I telling this story? Uh, it was traditionally, like, I think uh, it was when So Far Gone was actually released, not now when you all think it was released. Uh, it was So Far Gone. There's some Lil Wayne stuff. Again, don't judge me. <laughs> White suburbia. Here we go. Um, I was ready for the streets. Uh, and so, um, and I, I had, I liked to doodle and draw. And so I knew that this was the CD. Like I had the proper doodle on it. You know what I'm saying? Like this was all, all the lettering was outlined and whatever else. And I put the CD in and ready to bump down the street. Um, all of a sudden, I, this is not a lie. Like you, and you doubt me, fine. That's okay. Jesus spoke to me. So Cool. Um, worship music started playing. And I had not been a part of a church service for probably three years. I hadn't, you know, there was, there was a time in freshman year where I found God, but then, you know, straight away or whatever. And worship music started, and it was songs I had not heard in years. And I was, I was start, I was like, okay, someone spiked my water or something. Like, I don't know what's going on. So I took the CD out. I checked it. It was the same thing. I put it back. Worship music started playing again. I had to pull over and I was just brought to the, the most 
ridiculous, sobbing, welling tears because in that moment, God showed me, he's like, no, I, I have a different plan for you. Though you may have a plan that you think will lead you to the right spot, I'm, I'm gonna show you a new way. And if you would just take some time, deny yourself, I'll make your life so much more rich. And it might hurt. It might be uncomfortable. But I'll be with you every step of the way. And let me just tell you, if it was not for that moment and for that switch up in that CD, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have the wife that I have. I wouldn't have our daughter. We wouldn't have the life that we live. I, I, I would not know some of my deepest friends who I'm looking out in the, in, in the congregation right now. But it was in a moment of God speaking to me and, and me to say, God, just take it. I don't care what it is that he totally changed the course of my life and he wants to do the exact same for you. He, want, he wants to take control. He wants to show you all that he can do in his power, not the things that you think you can do in yours. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.